the only constant is change. You can change anything. You can change, you can change. And everything, everything. You can change your mind. You can change, you can change. You can change your heart. You can change your life. Like a butterfly. All right, welcome back to a new episode of Like a Butterfly, a podcast about profound change on a human level. I'm your host, Angelica Ross, and it's been a minute. Um, I had to take a breather again, um, you know, due to COVID-19 and figuring out what that was going to look like. Um, But we're back. So I'm actually going to be having a one-on-one conversation today with an amazing butterfly who has just gone through some profound changes in her life to go from experiencing homelessness to building a venture capital fund, a multi-million dollar capital fund from the ground up while she was homeless. She's the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, and it's a fund that is dedicated to minimizing funding disparities in tech by investing in high potential funders who are people of color, women, and or LGBTQ. Isn't that incredible? So I can't wait for you to get into this conversation. But first, I want to start off by planting a seed. And as many of you know, I'm a Buddhist. And so I have this book we read out of Buddhism Day by Day, Wisdom for Modern Life by Daisaku Ikeda. And so I wanted to read the passage for April 30th. Since it's May and we just finished April and we're starting off a new month, I wanted to read the end of April. And it says, Nietzschean wrote that wrath can be either good or bad. Self-centered anger generates evil, but wrath at social injustice becomes the driving force for reform. Strong language that censors and combats a great evil often awakens adverse reactions from society, but this must not intimidate those who believe they are right. A lion is a lion because he roars. I wanted to read that because I feel that so strongly in my spirit because sometimes I feel this wrath because of the political environment and because of things that are going on. We are in the situation we are in right now with COVID-19 because our political system has failed us. Our president was not smart enough to act fast enough. Like there's just, I mean, there's so many things to like sort of like debate if y'all want to debate about the different things about the situation. But literally there's a lot we, the people, have a right to be angry about. And I think that that needs to be the driving force for us to reform things. Let's not go back to normal. Let's not go back to the way things were. And so sometimes we have to use a strong language. Now, I'm working on myself. So I'm working on using language that is not profane. I don't necessarily think that profanity is necessary, although it sure feels good sometimes. You know me and Candy Ferocity can make some profanity slip off the tongue quite nicely. But... 
that's not always necessary, especially when you're looking to reach across boundaries of understanding and identity. So maybe being impeccable with our words, but also being strong with them to in, in order to combat this very great evil that we are experiencing right now in our society. We have to together come together and together roar like with the heart of a lion and say enough is enough. Like a butterfly. All right. So now we have our very first guest. Like a butterfly has just really been just me chatting to the wind, you know, and y'all listening. Um, and thank you for all the listeners out there who are getting into the sort of the, the spiritual kind of conversation of challenges. So we are having our first guest, and I am so excited to have Arlen Hamilton. Arlen, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You know, I listen, I so I pre-ordered your book. Ooh, thank you. It, it's it's called It's About Damn Time. Is that what it's called? Yes. <laughs> and I love you saying it. <laughs> it's about damn time. Yes. Wait, wait, so where did that title come from, first of all? Well, it originally came from um, just calling the fund that I raised. Uh, it's the it's about damn time fund because people were calling it a diversity fund, but I was just mm-hmm. saying it's just a da- about damn time fund that we're here, you know. And so now it really means it's about damn time for us as a group, uh, as a society, as a uh, you know, gr- you know any any underestimated group you you identify with to have your time and then it also means individually and that's one i'm really excited yes, about because yes. it's our time you know it's i think we're we're uh we're walking into our time so absolutely yeah. so for those that don't know like so i have run across arlen um like like sort of as this honestly like a little bit uh, as a fangirl, like I, I, <laughs> I have seen you at all. We keep running across each other's paths at different conferences or mm-hmm. like I'm on the stage and then you're next or you're on the stage and I'm next. Like we're yep. just constantly like passing ships. And I just, of course, am in absolute awe of your story and of what you've been able to accomplish. And mostly because I really, I really do, um, relate with a lot of your gumption to sort of like overcome, even Mm. though the odds look like what they look like. Um, So, but also I have a conversation with a lot of the people that I talk with around privilege and, you know, there's, there's this obvious way of being able to talk to, you know, Silicon Valley and to the corporate America and everything else. Cause you know, white privilege is running amok Mm. in America, but very seldom sometimes we have a, a conversation sort of around our own privileges, even as we are experiencing, you know, challenges. So, That's you right. know, as a, as a black trans woman, I talk about the fact that, yes, a lot of my experience in my life, I've been through things that um, because of being a black woman, because of being a trans woman, have made very other challenges, very made life very challenging. However, being someone who, you know, for me particularly, I might have cis-assuming privilege. Mm-hmm. I also have some academic privilege. 
Um, I, you know, was raised with two parents in the home. Um, I was raised with faith in the house and things like that. So, mm. there, you know, there's a lot that I'm so grateful for that is sort of a composite for me of what have been my un, maybe in the beginning, unrecognized privileges, things that maybe I wasn't initially grateful for. So what are some things that, you know, you know, to skip sort of the conversation for a moment on our marginalization, you know, what are some of the privileges um, that you have been able to recognize in your own life and some of the things that you've been grateful for that have kind of been a composite of creating this moment for you. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think about it all all the time and I try to make sure that when I'm speaking, I I, I let people know that everybody has privilege. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not, um, you know, villainizing certain people. Um, I definitely, the fact that I can walk around, the fact that I um, don't have to think about um, a, a physical disablement, um, that I have my wits about me, that I grew up with a lot of love, you know, with my mother and my brother. It was, it was all, it was all, you can do anything. And I know a lot of people didn't grow up like that. Um, and, and the fact that I have, that I, I think w- the one that sticks with me right now is that the fact that I can say just about anything I want. Mm-hmm. And yes. obviously I put myself out there and I, and I have the trolls and that sort of danger that I put myself in. But, but when it comes to fear of losing my job or fear of losing the livelihood and I don't have that today. Um, and that's something that's part of my augmented privilege that I call it. Mm-hmm. I have Ooh. that voice. Talk, talk, wait, stop for one moment because you just introduced a new term and I felt it in my soul because I feel like I might have had some augmented privilege. Yeah. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's something I've been working on for a couple of years. I don't quite have it all defined, but I, I, I could write a book about it I, You know, once I get into it. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, um, you know, for the first 35 years of my life, I was broke, completely broke. And I mean, broke, broke, where you're looking at the bank account and you, if you have one, if I have one, right. You know, right. Um, and, and it's constantly negative or $12 or this and that food stamps, homelessness, housing insecurity, all of that. And the last four and a half years or so, I've just been surrounded by millionaires and billionaires not that I've, you know, I'm eating shrimp and, and going on yachts every day, but I'm in that world where I can pick up the phone and call or just about right. whoever I want. And um, it's funny because, I mean, to me, it's like, you know, I get to, I'm the same exact person because 35 years is a long time to be, to be that way. And when I get to walk into these rooms and um, be part of that group, you know, you've probably been to an event where you like the, the, the uh, table cost a hundred thousand for the. Oh food. yes. You know what I mean. Oh yes. So to me, I've been siphoning privilege. Um, mm-hmm. I've been observing it, siphoning it, and all of that is to sort of turn into this augmented privilege. Where five years ago, the same people who wouldn't give me the time of day mm-hmm. call me. I said they used to call me crazy. Now they just call me. Right. That's that's happening to me now too. Right. I mean, even even in the space, honestly, to have founded Transec in twenty fourteen mm. as a black trans woman who, you know, it was very much like a Sylvia Rivera, Marsha P. Johnson situation. Like I'm doing all I can do just to, you know, pull the things together because I'm in reality competing against cis white folks for the same federal funds, you know. Mm. And so it was a situation. But um but you know, so I was working the beating path for 
a while. And, you know, for a while people were like maybe giving me awards for some things or mm-hmm. what have you. But until I became a celebrity mm-hmm. and famous on TV, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like everyone understands now what we do <laughs> and, oh. you know, and wants to be, and, and it's great. You know, I'm glad that we have it now, but it's like, I've had to, the growth of what I've seen, especially in what I've been able to do for the community, which, you know, I sit with it in different ways. It's just that I've had to myself um, build a certain level of privilege and then extend it to the community. Yes. Yes. And that's part of the augmented part of it, where it's like, it is a siphoning and then, and then handing over. It's a little bit of Mm -hmm. a Robin Hood theory and uh, an Iron Man theory where I feel like I'm walking around with the Iron Man suit and I can I can do more and go faster and, and you know have more impact, but it's all um, fabricated. You know, it's all around me. And Absolutely. So, so were were you um, were you raised with like faith practice? Any faith practice? So I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and mm-hmm. I don't um, agree with or believe in what they practice, and so mm-hmm. I left them and have very strong opinions against them, (laughs) Um, including their very blatant homophobia that still Mm -hmm. is part of the DNA today. And um, today I, I, I don't practice a faith. Um, But what do you, so I know you may not, uh, the reason why I'm asking that question is because I'm thinking about those nights that you were sleeping at the airport. Yeah. And just thinking about, you know, these really hard, challenging moments, like uh, what 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 got you through Um, was, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily believing in a specific, you know, dogma or what have you. But how did your spirit make it through that? Yes. So I was actually talking to my wife just this morning going into this conversation Mm -hmm. because I, you know, I said that to her. I said, you know, I don't I don't know if I have much spirituality to talk about on this and she said you you have you have a faith (laughs) you just don't have it in in a in a traditional way you have a higher calling Mm -hmm. and what she was describing was she said why do you do what you do you don't do it for money you don't do it for a job why do you do what you do and I said well it's because of the the bigger picture of all of the people that I'm representing and all the people that I'm impacting and that was the same answer as what when I was on the floor of the airport with the with the jeans mm-hmm. curled up as a as a pillow and nothing to cover me it was the reason i was able to keep going was because i knew i knew that these founders existed that i was going to be investing in one day in this fund that didn't exist and i knew that they were out there there were women there were people of color they were lgbtq um, all that I identified with. And I knew that they were there. They were already there. It wasn't like I had to go out, get the money and, and convince them to become great. They were already in their greatness. I was just trying to put a spotlight on more and more of them. And so that then years ago and today is what it is what wakes me up every day. And so it's a, it's a belief in us. And um, I do, I, I have called it many times a, a higher calling. Absolutely. And, and by the way, I do want to mention my wife is queer German girl, and I she said that she knows you and uh, yes, really yes. <laughs> she said she featured Online. you on one of her most popular videos, and um, she was very very uh, excited that I when I told her that I was doing this interview. Well, that's amazing, and I trust me, I'm I'm just again I'm so glad that we connected because I realized that you don't know something until you know something. Mm-hmm. And so but even by being left out of the process of educational processes or certain opportunities, 
there's a lot of things that we don't know. So say, for instance, um, when it comes to building apps and mm -hmm. um, getting into that world, if you listen to sort of the mainstream conversation around it, it's all about coding. Mm -hmm. And in reality, there's so many other roles to play um, in building a company and building a startup and building, um, you know, any of these things. So what, um, what would you say to folks who, when someone says, oh, I, I don't think I could probably get into tech or, you know, what, what would you say mm -hmm. to someone who might be unsure if because they don't have the typical tech profile tech background? Yeah. yeah. I would say a couple things. One is um, tech to me is one of the most accessible things because you, if you don't know the language today, you can learn it. Mm -hmm. And you can learn it faster than you would learn a lot of languages. Mm -hmm. So if you are interested in that and you, you're saying, I don't know it now, but I want to, <clears throat> yes, there are many ways that you can get into it. It is not too late. doesn't matter what age you are. really doesn't matter what age you are because uh, a lot of it is, um, is very kind of user-friendly and, and you can kind of go on to it. Another thing I'll say, I guess it's three. Another thing I'll say is that there are people like my friend Tara Reed, not the actress, uh, a black woman. <laughs> who is a, a gay woman who does this program called Apps Without Code. And she teaches people how to build apps without knowing how to code complete. She doesn't know how to wow, code. So she right. teaches them from the ground up how to do that. She does these workshops and it's really cool. And then she has like a paid program. And then the third thing I'll say is something that Naval, uh, the CEO of AngelList has said on his podcast before. Um, he said that there, it, it, it took kind of, and he's a multimillionaire and he's had multiple successes. And he said, the two things you need to, two things that, you know, will give you wealth. One is being able to build and one is being able to sell. Uh -huh. If you can do both, you're unstoppable. I think of myself as both, uh -huh. but, and you probably do too. Yes, but if I you sure think do. about yeah. that, there are a lot of builders who kind of don't have as much um, finesse or, you know, they don't know how to articulate things as well because they, they're used to building. If you are someone who can sell mm -hmm. and genuinely do so, mm -hmm. you may be able to find your match, your, the yin to your yang, find that match and help them sell the thing that they're, and that doesn't mean literally always just, okay, I'm going to sell, sell, sell. It could also mean you're a co-founder of a company and your job is as CEO is to kind of lead and make people really believe in what you're doing and what this what has been built and that's a that's a really interesting way of doing it you can also be someone who sells by being an employee you know what's Absolutely. really interesting is people don't talk about employee number 10 employee number 10 at a hundred person company who came in you know that first six months that first year they're going to have a great deal of equity stored up over time and even if the even if the the company never exits or has some sort of event that gives them money, they're gonna have that's a cool just a fun job if you like with the product, and it's also experience that's invaluable for mm -hmm. the next thing. So if you think about all these these prototypes that we know about, you know all these CEO white men that we know about that you don't you only hear about their current success or their recent success. You don't hear about the different things they they have done. Um, a lot of it was built on privilege and there, and I, you know, well, yeah, you think that. about, do you think about, because when you think about failure and you think yeah. about the fact that it's necessary in the yeah. process of success, but then when you talk about marginalized communities, the risk of failure means sometimes life and death. 
It means, you know, a, a complete wipeout, at least in the mm-hmm. ways that people have traditionally seen that. There's a mm-hmm. fear of taking that risk. And I try to speak to that fear um, because, again, when you, you, we talk about privilege and all these things, I've read, um, I've read the book uh, 10,000 Hours, Malcolm Gladwell. Um, outliers. Outliers, yes. Outliers. And what I love about that is I realized – Number one, that I'm a genius. I've written yeah. those terminologies, you know, that I'm a genius. Um, but like for putting in those 10,000 hours into the things that I do, and I really did. The reason why when people ask me, God, Angelica, you know, you, you speak this way, you do this or with the technology. And it's just because I've been tinkering around with these things for well over 10 years mm-hmm. um, to fine tune what I'm doing. However, to be real about the situation, um, back in the day, uh, you know, when I was a young baby trans um, and transitioning, I was I was coming out of sex work um, as my only viable option. And there became this moment where, you know, I ended up getting in this relationship with this guy um, that wasn't sex. We were in love and we eventually got engaged. But over the course of the eight years that we were together in that relationship, because he sort of took care of the bills and he took care of certain things, like I was... I, yes, I went to college, but I used that time, that little whatever space of privilege that I had mm. to in, to use every waking hour. I was playing the piano. I was um, guitar, messing around with logic, uh, you know, doing photography and photo retouching and just doing, learning my computer and doing all these things. But I had this cocoon of a space mm-hmm. that I was able to create in order to do that. What do you say, because I've tried to have this conversation around investment, um, because it, I believe it, that, you, number one, you need to be, I believe that you need to be your number one investor in, in yourself and your dreams. Um, and sometimes you don't, all, that doesn't mean money. You don't always have money. And it's that your time and you have to start sort of like reassessing how you're spending your time and investing that because I'm balancing this narrative where, yes, trans people need to be paid for their contributions, for mm-hmm. their work, for, for, what the, for their value. And at the same time, as a normal human being, as a part of this working society, we need to build a portfolio to be able to communicate to other people what our value is and what we can contribute. Mm-hmm. So how, what do you say to sort of that gap or how do you, to, to the, some, I don't know if you have any inspiring words to that gap between um, having the space and taking the space, mm-hmm. having the time and taking the time. I think it's a little uh, akin to when I started public speaking because I had been I had really bad stage fright for most of my life, and then um, 2017 I started working on it, and I talk about that a lot in the book. But I think what 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 i one of the things one of the rules i had for myself was that i wouldn't take less than a certain amount uh even even as i was like getting out like really getting out of stage right even if the money low you can't pay me right yes. right but here's his second part of the rule it was i wouldn't take more less than a certain amount so that I could afford to do things without that you didn't have to pay me so mm-hmm. the the organizations uh, that were nonprofit or the ones that were black women who I'm not going to sit here and like gut their yearly budget and right. have them come and speak for 45 minutes. Right. The, the, the paid gigs afforded 
me the ability to do those and do and kind of have that freedom of to choose, mm-hmm. select whatever I wanted. And at the at the beginning, I talk about this in in the chapter. I I got turned down for the paid gigs for the first two, like just flat out turned down like nope (laughs) and it was like hurt my little heart but I said that's my rule so I guess I just won't get paid you know I guess I just won't do this and so the third time is when they came back and said the third per the third group came back and and I was ready for them to say no and instead they said oh we had a budget twice as much as what you just told us that and and so now that past three years I've been able to take on several paying gigs and that rate has gone up and up every single year and then I still do the the free things that I want to do so there's that freedom so what you could do is think about the source of the client like who mm-hmm. is the client and you you might use that or you might use a certain period of time or however you want to frame it but you're going to it's all about you having the power to do it i don't think it's wrong for you to charge a big organization or a big group a certain amount and to have a rate that is much lower for another type of group so that you are internally building your portfolio. Absolutely. Every single one can add on to that. Well, and also I just want to thank you for number one, writing the book um, because I will be fully diving into it. (laughs) Um, I will be fully diving into it. I'm working, you know, I'm not classically or traditionally, yeah, I went to college up to my junior year, had to drop out because I couldn't afford to stay in mm-hmm. and had continued to educate myself as much as I possibly can, you know, along the way while helping other people and doing those things. But having your book, I know, number one, is going to be so helpful, first of all, because it's an, you, thankfully, thank you for doing an audiobook version because yes. um, I'm just someone right now that like the way my life is, the way my brain is working these days, I need the audio version mm-hmm. and it's something that sinks in better. I'm able to do dishes and clean the house and also learn at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but also this is a book as well as like, I'm thinking about Janet Mock's books, um, Redefining Realness and all these other books where it is part of my mission to help with some of the literacy issues within the trans and LGBT community. Um, technology brings these things forward where, okay, so I couldn't go to, you know, college for certain things, but guess what? I listened to the personal MBA on Audible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I listened yep. to uh, psychology books on Audible, and now I'm going to learn to be a venture capitalist or at least learn how to raise some money or something. It's about damn time. I need to raise some money. It's about damn time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree more about that. I personally, um, reading has always been something that came easy to me. A lot of other things, like, don't get me in a room with science, anything science related or anything. You know? like, <laughs> I think I, I did see that about you. Yeah. Yes. But, but at the same time, I couldn't stay engaged when it was me reading it. Mm-hmm. And what, ha- and what ended up happening was audible and these other audio platforms sort of changed my life. Yes. As I was like, yes. I can listen to an entire book you know, and, and a couple of days or a week or whatever, when I get the time to, and it's just, it's just, it's, you do soak it up in a different way. And it's just really interesting. So I like to, I like the audio. I'm more excited about the audio, if we're being honest about the audio version than any other version. 
And wow. I, I probably shouldn't say that for my publisher might not like that, but I, I am really excited about the. You know, well, because it lives, it lives, it lives in a way that just is more accessible. And that's what right. the world we're trying to reach to is just being more accessible. Yeah. And my brother, he, um, my brother, Rook, he's a, a rapper in Dallas and he's, he's, okay, to me, he's, a, he's a genius. I mean, he's like a, a, a hacker at the very least. And he's the kind of person who can, who can open up a box of something, look at the instructions, look at the the picture of the instructions once and build it. He wouldn't be able to read the instructions, but he could look at the, he can read, but he doesn't, he can't retain it. Right. Mm-hmm. So for him, podcasts and mm-hmm. audio books, all, that's just opened up a whole new uh, world for him. So I'm excited for him to get it. Cause he even has to have like people read, like with my book, I sent him an early copy. He would have to have somebody read it to him for him to take it in. So now right. you got me reading it to you. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, okay. So I think I already know the answer to this question. I'm going to ask you one more question. What is Arlen's legacy going to be? What do you want your legacy to be all about? I want to, uh, years from now, while I'm still here, I I do want to look back and see so many uh, black and brown and uh, women and LGBTQ, et cetera, people um, who are are millionaires and maybe even billionaires. I'm not a, a huge fan of... Individuals having billions, but I mean, whatever. Um, millionaires and whatever success is to you, it doesn't have to be related to money. And they are themselves impacting others. And they they tell me it's because you invested in me when I was twenty seven. It was wow. because I picked up your picked up your book. I didn't know you, but I picked up your book, and it changed the way I thought about what my future would be, et cetera, et cetera. So that impact being a ripple effect. Um, to me, that would be amazing, and I, and I want to help change the the face and the narrative of of Silicon Valley and beyond for sure. Well, Arlene, you have definitely changed things for myself. Just being on the the beaten path and seeing you and learning about you over time. So Thank I'm you. Already, there's already already a ripple effect happening mm-hmm. of me being in that legacy. But we're gonna talk some more um, on yeah, the side. So we have to. We have to. The legacy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Arlen. Um, I hope that you and your family are doing so well during this time. I know that things are very challenging, but yes. just praying that you stay safe and sane and healthy and happy. Oh, last thing I wanted to say, there was one more question I did yeah. have. You've seen the movie Pursuit of Happiness? Okay. Let me be honest with you. I haven't seen it, but I know everything about it. Right. So yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes. Do you think we would get a... <laughs> like a version of that of your life a movie of your life the pursuit of happiness mean, how <laughs> amazing would that be a black one i mean come on it's, we always centered in this other way but yeah i think we need a movie about your life it's about damn time don't you think <laughs> i love let me tell you so <laughs> let me tell you i have something something's in the works that's not necessarily that but one time i ran into queen latifah at the airport Yes, and she saw my. She's there's a picture of her holding my Fast Company cover. Wow, uh, on the streets of New York. Oh my like, God, How, what an experience! Okay, yeah. yeah. And so we were talking about it, and I said, I said, people have been telling me that they w- want you to play me in a in a made for TV movie or something, you know, like yes. sort of happiness. And she yes. goes, she. We were walking, and she just met me, and she goes, you know what? I was thinking the same thing, and I'm like, wow. She's like, wait a second, how old are you? And I told her, she's like, oh, I'm like ten years older than you are, so I don't think it would work. But I think she, it would be she beautiful. Could her, she could producer. pull it back, you know, or she could produce it, or they can do makeup in a certain way, you know. To yeah, make, you know, to I mean, we're the. Up, I know? mean, I, I would just. But the point of it is, you know, I, 
I, I have, I'm not really pursuing like somebody making a movie about me, but I definitely want to be, I want to impact people in, in, in various ways. So I'm going to see me behind the scenes. Well, your story story will be told. I'm an executive producer. So okay, you know, well, I'm be involved in this and stuff. We may, we, your story <laughs> needs to be told though, and it will get told. And I can't wait okay. for everyone else to see it because you are truly inspiring. I thank you. And I, you know, if you go to itsaboutdamntime.com, pick up this book, maybe, maybe the book will inspire something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Arlen was here on Twitter and Instagram. A-R-L-A-N was here on both Twitter and Instagram. And it's about damn is also a hub to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Arlen, for chatting with me. And um, yes, uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing what's next from you. Thank you so much. Like a butterfly. Like a butterfly. Like a butterfly. Like a butterfly.